you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Yes, when that music hits, I get very excited. Uh, I'm Peter Schrager. I'm the host of uh, Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. And I'm also the host of The Season with Peter Schrager, which is the podcast we do every Tuesday here in New York City. My boy, my producer, my man, Aaron Wong Kaufman. What is up, dude? Not much. How are you doing? Welcome back from Germany. I'm back from Germany. Um, should I get right into it? Yeah, yeah, I want to hear about it. So if you're wondering why I wasn't in Germany and I was recording last week's podcast with Jeff Perlman uh, from a Brooklyn apartment, I, I wasn't sure I could talk about it last week because I wasn't sure I was actually going to get to Germany. I'll just empty the bag right now and let everybody know. Uh, I was supposed to leave last Friday, uh, got to the airport, had my bags packed, had my passport. My passport expires January 2023. I'm good. I went to London a month ago, had a great week. No one said much. Like, just, yeah, good luck. Here, it's your ticket. Go, whatever. Get to the Lufthansa airline ticket gate thing at Newark. And the woman with very, very little room for negotiation or desire to have a conversation um, is like, you cannot fly. I'm like, what do you mean I can't fly? Here's my ticket. I'm uh, really important. I talk about football for a living. I must go to Germany. It, it's a must. It's my right. She says, uh, no, your passport expires in less than three months. Doing the math, it was like November 4th. My passport expired January 11th. And yeah, in less than three months, my passport, I didn't know this rule, Um I don't know if anyone else knew this rule, but in certain countries, Germany included, you need uh, to have three months or more left on your passport. So I'm sitting with Jamie Erdahl, who's my lovely co-host on Good Morning Football. And like, it was almost like a scene out of a movie, like Home Alone or something. Like she had to go to the gate and get on that plane. And I literally called an Uber X from Newark airport. And it was like the saddest drive back uh, to Brooklyn. Uh, just of like, you know, you had a bad day. And it's just like, I'm crying in the back seat as everyone else gets to go to Germany and I'm going home uh, to Brooklyn. I compared it to when I was in, I guess my freshman year of high school, I didn't play football, but all the guys on the football team got invited to a, to a party. And at this party, it was from uh, uh, the girls from the, the the neighboring school, but it was just the football guys. And I it was friends with all these guys in eighth grade, but I didn't play football. And they all went, and it was like the first week of school, and it was all these new girls that I didn't know, and they played like spin the bottle. And um, all these guys had stories for, for months about this amazing party that they were invited to. 
this is what that felt like. Like I, I was getting texts from from Kyle Brandt and Jason McCordy and Jamie Erdahl. They're like, "We're at this amazing beer hall. We're at oh, it's the funniest thing. Like we're we're being uh, treated like royalty because we're football and we're at this amazing uh, soccer game. We're at the Bayern Munich match. Man, we miss you." And yet those texts started coming in less and less as like the longer it became. And I was like, total FOMO, right? So Monday morning. Um, I was told that you can get an expedited passport if you go to this passport office in lower Manhattan on like Varick street and you get an appointment. We get an appointment. I go in there. I tell them the whole story. They don't give a about like, you know, Oh, I'm NFL or don't you know that Gino Smith is going to Munich? Someone needs to talk about it for five days on a lightly viewed cable, uh, channel. Uh, you know, someone needs to be there, especially election week. Like we need to watch it lightly viewed. That was kind of not necessary. We'll, we'll just say very highly viewed cable network, NFL network. We love what we do. Um, but it's a very niche audience. The the audience that's tuning in on a Tuesday to see me break down Kenneth Walker's running style um, on election Tuesday in the middle of the first week of November. So I wait there five hours. It's like, you're literally at like the deli uh, and you take the ticket, you know, and it's like 31 and it's, you know, you've got like 67. Um, but I get my passport the amazing Wendy Moyer. I'm going to shout her out. She works for the NFL Network. She is like on the phone with me throughout this. We book a flight. I get on the plane. Until I get on the plane, I'm like, there's no way I'm actually getting there. This thing isn't happening. Um, get on the plane, get there, and literally land and run from the airport to the set. And I was on Wednesday morning. Um, and somewhere in between there, I don't even remember doing it. We did a podcast last week, Aaron, I'm not, I'm not insulting you. I have no recollection of the Jeff Perlman podcast. I'm sure it was great. I know he was doing it from a car. It was raining. I was checking my phone the entire time. Like, am I, am I really getting this passport? Uh, am I really going on the flight? Got there. It was fantastic and an amazing experience. And, uh, I'm here today. And you made it back successfully too. Which is, I mean, with all the trouble you went through getting there, it's good that you got back. I did. Um, four downs, you want to do it? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Traumatic right. experience, bro. Um, first down, besides the travel, was Germany a success? Huge, huge success. Good Morning Football, first of all, was a really big success. We set the stage for the weekend that was to come. And I was there Wednesday and it was awesome. And then Thursday was cool. And then Friday, it was like, I, the comparison I made was, I guess it was like Bourbon Street, not Mardi Gras, but when there's like a big college bowl game or when the Super Bowl was there in 2013. And it was like just a celebration of sports. I could not walk through the streets of Munich without seeing a Seahawks fan, seeing a Buccaneers fan. And at first glance, it's like, oh, they all flew in. Okay, I get it. Then you talk to the people. They're German. They are German fans and they love football. I was very, very ignorant to all of this going in. I didn't know the history of Germany and football, but the NFL Europe really did have a strong, strong footprint in Germany. So fans really fell in love with the game. And then they stopped NFL Europe some of those teams play in semi-pro leagues. The NFL still has some sort of connection to that. But this was the first ever game in Germany. And the amount of German fans who 
know the game, love the game. They were live at our show on like Thursday and Friday in the town square, which was incredible. But then you saw the footage on Sunday. I have friends um, who are there, obviously from the NFL Network, but I've got another buddy. My buddy Mike Carella lives in Amsterdam full time with his family. And he does that for a corporate job. And he came and met me in Munich. And then he went to the game on Sunday and he's taking photos of this. And it's like, this felt like the Super Bowl. And it wasn't gimmicky. It wasn't kitsch. It wasn't this like, you know, wacky, zany thing. It was a legitimate game between two division leaders and the fans knew what was going down. And it was a celebration of football. And I mean this in that Brady did a lot of post-game sound and was calling it epic and everything. Brady went on his podcast with Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald on Monday night. And it was like, he was like, it was awesome. And it was really important for me. And it, and I think, and this is like bringing it back to the football stuff. Like I think Brady needed this. Like it's been a rough couple months, obviously with the divorce, but also the team being terrible and not like reaching expectations. I think the last thing you would have told Tom Brady that he needed was to go on a, on a 48 hour trip to Germany. But like, he seems like he's at ease. He's at peace. He was energized and the fans love him so much over there that it was such a cool experience to see. I don't know if you watched the game, Aaron, but with about two minutes left, you know, the game is on the broadcast on and Eisen and the boys are doing the, and it's in the background. You hear country roads, take me home. And you're like, what? And there's a huge chant of John Denver's country roads. And I don't think they know what West Virginia is. Like, I don't know if they know what, and they're West Virginia, mountain mama. And I'm like, what? And then it's sweet Caroline. And then the game ends. And, uh, my buddy who works for the Bucks texts me a video and he's like, check this out. 30 minutes after the game, the Bucks team comes back onto the field and 76,000 fans are still there doing a karaoke sing-along to like American, like you know, American Pie by Don McLean. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty pessimistic a lot of times. I live in a negative like mindscape a lot. And then especially with the way things are going in America, it's easy to get down. And, you know, now uh, there's a recession, there's inflation, the crypto markets have blown up, all this stuff. And all anyone tells you that the world is terrible and all that. You see a bunch of 76,000 people arm in arm singing country roads in Germany. You're like, all right, that was kind of cool. Like that was a fun moment. And I think for Brady, it was like a brief, brief respite of like a moment where it was like, all right, I love football. This is awesome. I got to experience this. And I think for Goodell and the league, speaking of people there, they were overwhelmed. I don't think anyone, this exceeded expectations beyond anyone's wildest dreams. And uh, we had Commissioner Goodell on Good Morning Football on Friday. And he threw it out there. He's like, I think we're going to have multiple games here um, over the next few years. I don't think it's just going to be Munich. I think we're talking Frankfurt. I think eventually Berlin. I think eventually, you know, Cologne. I don't, I'm not, I'm not well versed in the history of German football, but what was a cool deal, American football in Germany, a cool deal was talking to a native German, um, this guy, Alex, who worked at our hotel that we were staying at. And he said, what's, what's interesting is, you know, obviously there's the NFL Europe and there was the World League and all this stuff. And there was this great, like, little seed of this German, uh, you know, love for football. Then in like 2010, there's a TV station called Free TV, which I equate to like ESPN, I guess. And one game a week, 
they have uh, an NFL game one on Sunday. They play one game. And he said for the majority of like the 2000 to 2020s, for whatever reason, a lot of that was Seahawks. So the Seahawks have a huge fan base there, but a lot of them are also Chiefs and of course Patriots. And he said the biggest fan bases are Seahawks, Chiefs, and Patriots. And they are real fans. They go to sports pubs. They go to like Irish bars in Germany and they go and watch the games. Um, I can't speak enough about the experience from a personal standpoint. I thought it was really eye-opening and really cool. But I think from a league standpoint, and maybe later on in the season, we'll bring on Peter O'Reilly, who runs all the events for the league, or um, you know, Henry Hodgson does some of the international stuff. And I would like to get their perspective. But gosh, just from these these two eyes, it was it was spectacular. All right, second down. From uh, the German fan bases celebrating their teams uh, to me lamenting my team, are you as concerned as I am with the Bills after these two losses? Well, I know you. To, for the listeners, Aaron comes from a family of Bills fans. Let me first, you know, swing it around to you. Two losses to the Jets and Vikings, both in weird fashion. Are you concerned with your Bills? Uh, I mean, yeah, a little. I think I, I just said to you before we started recording, it's it's tough being involved in the quote-unquote game of the year two years in a row and losing both of them. Uh, it was a great fight, and uh, you know Josh Allen did really well, except for these red zone interceptions. It was he leads the league in interceptions, man. <laughs> uh, that's not my favorite stat to lead, but... Um, yeah, it was it was rough. It, it, suddenly, the Bills are in the wild card race now. I mean, wild card race—they're the sixth seed. This went from me saying like, uh, "No one," uh, and I went on Bill Simmons's podcast. I'm like, two literally before the Jets game. I'm like, I don't think the Bills are going to lose another game this season. I don't. They like got through Kansas City. Like they'll, they'll roll over the Jets. They'll beat the Vikings. Then after they lost to the Jets, I was like, "All right," but they won't lose a home game all season, and they already have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, so they'll be fine. And they lose to the Vikings in what was just epic fashion. Now, what worries me is that Allen continues to make these strange decisions in these plays, like which I'm I'm baffled by because I thought we got over that. And then their defensive backfield is just riddled with injuries. So no Trey White still. I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's coming back. Jordan Poyer is like the captain of that defense. He wasn't out there. Micah Hyde's not coming back. Uh, Elam, the rookie who's been playing well, he wasn't out there. So you have Dane Jackson and you've got this Christian Benford who's a lovely young man. He's a sixth round pick out of Villanova, but like that's a big spot. And Justin Jefferson is eight and Kirk Cousins picked him apart. And if this thing is going through Buffalo, I still like the Bills out of the AFC, but right now it's not. And my reason for concern is it's a really hard thing to go on the road in the playoffs. And it's a really hard thing to win an arrowhead. And they've done it now twice in the regular season. But like, I have no confidence that this Bills team is going to go on one of these stretches where it's like, say they have to play in Miami and they got to go, you know, you know, to Baltimore, whatever it is. And then, uh, you know, I call it the arrowhead invitational, you know, that AFC championship game in Kansas city. Like, I'm not sure that's a, that's a no brainer anymore. A cat, a, a catastrophic loss. And that fumble, it's like Bills fans have been through so many heartbreaking losses. That fumble, I don't think it's up there with Scott Norwood, and I don't think it's up there with last year's to the Chiefs. I don't, I don't think it's up there with that stuff. But like that's that, it's just enough of a wacky ninety nine percent doesn't happen type thing that you're like, we are just doomed. Like we are just cursed, and we are not allowed to have nice things. Like that, that play is you run that a thousand times. That happens one time 
and it happened. And it didn't just happen. They scored the touchdown so that you have to come all the way back and get the field goal. Um, I'm not concerned about Allen. He'll figure it out. I think they're a playoff team for sure, obviously. I am concerned that this puts them in a position where they have to dig out of a hole. And I don't want to see the Bills in Kansas City if I'm a Bills fan. I'd rather be home for that playoff game. Yep, same. All right, third down. We're a week removed now. We talked about Jeff Saturday last week. Now what's your take after they win against the Raiders? It was something, right? So I had a take that I thought was like hot fire on this podcast thing. I didn't like the the hire because of multiple reasons. I didn't realize that I was just like dipping my toe in the shallow end compared to some of the takes that were coming out. We had Joe Thomas on uh, Good Morning Football in Germany on Friday. And literally on Thursday night, Joe is wearing Lederhosen. Drinking beers, all smiles, like having the greatest time at the Huffbra House, which is one of the great beer halls there. And, and we're having, he's like the most happiest, go lucky, like loving, fun guy I've ever like hung with. And he's talking about how he owns a farm and he's never been so content and his family was in Paris. And then this topic comes up on Good Morning Football and Joe's entire tone changes. And his take was this. When you hire your drinking buddy to be the head coach of an NFL football team, it is one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen in my entire life to the commitment, the lifestyle, and the experience that it takes to be an NFL coach, any coach, much less the head coach of the Indianapolis football Colts. You have got to be kidding me that this is something that Jim Ursay and Jeff Saturday, who's not blameless for accepting the job, could have talked and decided that this was the best thing for the Indianapolis Colts at this juncture of the season. I was happily eating some uh, fine French food and drinking French wine because I was in France with my kids earlier in the week. But when I saw this, I thought it was a joke. I thought I, maybe I had a little Google Translate and I all of a sudden I'm in the wrong calendar and it's April 1st or something going on. It was the most egregious thing I can never remember happening in the NFL. And I went one in 31 my last two years in the NFL. <laughs> sure enough, Sunday morning, I'm on my couch excited for some football and the, you know, the Brady thing just ends on, in Munich. I flip over to CBS and there's Bill Cower and he's on the CBS show and he comes out and he called it a disgrace. A disgrace. What about the assistants on the staff right now? The guys that were there in training camp, the guys that were there early in the morning and late at night, the guys that have gone through the first six weeks in that building, guys like Gus Bradley, Scotty Montgomery, uh, John Fox, don't they deserve the opportunity for an owner to hire a coach who's never been an assistant at the college level or the pro level <clears throat> and overseeing a very much a lot of candidates that are qualified for that job, as we see in Steve Wilkes, an opportunity to build a resume. It's a disgrace to the coaching profession. Mm. And regardless how this thing plays out, what happened in Indianapolis is a travesty. That clip was courtesy of CBS Sports and the NFL Today. I, I mean, people were really, really upset about the Saturday thing. And then there comes this moment where, all right, now he has to go coach a game. And sure enough, because this is how this thing works, like they go and they win. And then there's everyone looking for receipts afterwards. And it's saying, you know, eat it, Joe Thomas, and eat it, Bill Cower. And my whole thing is this. That team, it was awesome watching that Colts team rally around Jeff Saturday. And his postgame comments were great. And Ursay was so fired up. But that team is a good football team. If that's what it takes... 
then shame on me, egg on my face that I was wrong in saying that I would have rather seen another guy get the opportunity than than Jeff Saturday. If that's what it takes to to have someone have, you know, the stones to say, what are we doing starting Sam Ellinger when we've got Matt Ryan under contract and he's a former MVP and he still wants to play? Like Matt Ryan's our quarterback. If that's what it takes to see Quentin Nelson, uh, you know, block his ass off and look like the $20 million offensive guard that he is, then great. You know, bring in Jeff Saturday. If that's what it takes to see Stefan Gilmore play like the number one corner that we know he is and has been, awesome. I stand corrected if I said that, you know, I would have liked to have seen one of the younger guys. And I wasn't one who was like, give John Fox the job. I don't think that would have done anything. I was talking about guys like Bubba Ventrone or Cato June or Scott Montgomery or, you know, but then again, there's this guy Parks Frazier, who's a 30 year old, you know, offensive coach. No one knows much about him. Goes in there, calling plays and he's dialing it up. And it's like, here was Parks Frazier's moment as the play caller. And, I don't know if he gets that opportunity if Frank Reich and uh, Marcus Brady are there. And I don't know if he gets that opportunity if you just hire Gus Bradley or John Fox as the interim. My big takeaway is long-term, I'm not sure how this whole thing plays out. But hey, I picked the Colts to win the AFC South before the season. That team that I saw and Jonathan Taylor actually running the football, yeah, that's the team I thought we were going to get this season. So if it takes Jeff Saturday to get that team on my TV screen, Jeff Saturday, welcome. All right, fourth down. Who do you want to shout out this week? Can I give a shout out to Colt McCoy? Um, this is part personal, part objective. Colt McCoy is one of my favorite people in the NFL. I've gotten to know Colt McCoy very well over the years. Colt McCoy has been a starting quarterback in this league, but he's also been a backup quarterback to Kirk Cousins, to Robert Griffin III, uh, to Daniel Jones, to Kyler Murray, to you name it. He has been around a lot of young quarterbacks, and they all love him. Kyler Murray grew up in Texas when uh, University of Texas football was everything. And Kyler Murray grew up loving Colt McCoy. So sure enough, they bring him in and he is now his backup. And it's like Murray's not alone. Murray is is one of many young players in this league who look at Colt McCoy as that dude because he has his college career, of course, but also because he's one of the best people to have in a locker room. Cliff Kingsbury rolls out Colt McCoy and like I would have bet like my life that they were winning that game, just knowing like how his teammates respond to Colt and to see AJ Green make plays, to see Rondell Moore with a one-handed catch, and to see Colt under center just doing his thing. Like I, Colt McCoy wins games, and here's the crazy thing: Colt McCoy is now three and one as a starter for the Arizona Cardinals. the The rest of the team loves him; they rally around him. They're suddenly a four and six team. They've got a Monday night game in Mexico City coming up, and like if I'm Cliff. I don't know. Like, do I rush Kyler back from a hamstring injury or do I say, let's see how this thing goes. Let's roll the dice. Now, when I say it's a, uh, I've got a bias towards Cole, it's because I've really, really enjoyed his company. I've gotten to know him really well over the years as a reporter. He's always wonderful to us in the media. He's always very gracious with his time. This past summer, uh, I attended uh, Sean McVay's wedding out in LA. I, name drop. There we go. Let me plop that one right in here. At our table, my wife Erica and I, we're sitting next to Colt McCoy and his wife, and we're sitting next to Kingsbury, and it's Brandon Staley and his wife, and Kevin O'Connell and his wife, and this gentleman, Chaz Gesner. Everyone Google Chaz Gesner. That dude's the man. Chaz Gesner played for Belichick and the Patriots and then was coached by Sean McVay when Sean McVay was the uh, head, co- uh, was one of the offensive coaches for the Florida Tuskers in the UFL. Yep, we're going back that way. Anyway, we've got this great table, great time. 
Colt McCoy and my wife hit it off in a way that at the end of it, I'm like, all right, chill out with talking to Colt. I'm here. I'm your date. All right. Uh, just an awesome, awesome guy. His wife, awesome. Uh, another thing that Aaron, you'll like about Colt, which I always appreciate Colt McCoy, uh, plays for the giants for one year, won a huge game, uh, for them in Seattle and people love it. Colt McCoy chose to live with his, I want to say four kids and his wife in Manhattan when he played for the New York giants during COVID. And I was like, why would you live in Manhattan? You've got to drive an hour out and two hours back from the facility. Why would you live in Manhattan? And Colt McCoy's whole thing was like, well, I knew I wasn't living here the rest of my life. I knew it was a once in a lifetime experience. I wanted my daughters to experience living in New York city. So every day they would go to the central park and they, they can go in the rest of their life and say like, I had to, I had that experience. Life's all about the experiences. And, uh, that's four minutes on Colt McCoy, but like, gosh, if you can't tell, uh, what a fan I am of that guy and how happy I am for him. And again, this is on Tuesday. I'm recording this. Everyone is assuming Kyler's back on Monday and performance or not. Don't be shocked if I see uh, Colt McCoy under center in Mexico city next Monday night. Now your shout out fourth down, Aaron, take us home. Wow. I, I love that Colt McCoy story. You were right. Like them wanting to live in Manhattan. Um, so my fourth down is Christian Watson, who his parents are in the news too. His mom coming out. She talks so much about him. She defends him on social media all the time. And Christian Watson, the rookie receiver for Green Bay, first game, he has this big drop. Rodgers throws him the ball. He doesn't get it. It's, he's wide open. That, that could be such a setback. And instead, this week, he took over the game for them. Um Four receptions on eight targets, but he had 107 yards and he had three touchdowns, including a 39-yarder and a 58-yarder. And in the fourth, the Packers were down 28-14 to in the midst of a five-game losing streak. Watson was like the X factor that helped force overtime and then they eventually win the game. Um, we had to talk about Tom Brady, like feeling rejuvenated, Kind of felt like Aaron Rodgers. Like, Do you see Rodgers flexing? Yeah, Rodgers was flexing yeah. after the game. He like found his new wide receiver, maybe here. And and you know earlier in the year, Romeo Dobbs Dubs was like the big rookie yeah. for them. But Watson is a pretty incredible athlete. Let me tell you something about that game because he dropped two balls early. Then he has the big touchdown, and then Rodgers goes back to him again, and he drops it, and Greg Olson's on the call, and he's like, yeah, he wasn't looking in the right direction. And it's like, all right, dude. He had one, you know, Rodgers has lost faith. And then Rodgers goes to him twice in the clutch, and he makes the plays, and he was so fired up. You're right. We had him on Good Morning Football last year before the draft. He is a tall drink of water. This dude is like 6'5", skinny, played with Trey Lance in college. So a lot of questions were like, you know, we thought Watson would go third, fourth round. He goes early second. And it wasn't going well the first few weeks, to your point. And to see the emotion, to see it, like – if Rodgers finally trusts one of these young guys, that might be all it takes for that offense to change. And gosh, what a win for them. Um, great fourth down. Are we ready for our guest? I think we are. Yeah. Who do we have today? I am so excited for this. He is the 37-year-old first-year general manager of one of the most historic franchises in all of football, the Chicago Bears. I'm so fired up to bring on their GM, Mr. Ryan Poles. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now he's a uh, 37-year-old first-year general manager in the NFL, and he's having an outstanding first campaign over there in Chicago as the general manager of one of the most historic and legendary franchises in our fine league. It's the Chicago Bears general manager and a man that I've been wanting to get on the podcast since we started this thing, Mr. Ryan Poles. Ryan, what's up, man? What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, as we're doing this, you are currently in your office at like Hallis Hall. Uh, we're now 11 weeks into the season. Does it does it ever sink in that? Oh my! I am the general manager of the Bears. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. It's a dream come true. Just working for a franchise like this with you know a lot of history. It means a lot. It's, it's all over the walls. It's in the entrance, like we talked about back in the combine. So you're reminded. Uh, often and uh you know you feel the weight of that too which is which is good i love it i love the challenge yeah and i love the fact that you're you're in there and it's it's a tuesday and you're like okay here's what we got now but we're building we're building when you walked into those interviews what was your selling point to saying hey i might be in my 30s but i've been around some really good builders and i've got some really forward thinking ideas i want to bring to this franchise what did you tell the mccaskey family and really what was your selling point saying hey take a shot on me yeah listen i've been fortunate right i've been i've worked from some really good general managers and coaches and i think the key part was i've been through this journey from the ground floor all the way to the top um, and there's challenges along the way, and each organization is going to be a little bit different. You're going to get different wrinkles, um, but you've learned to adapt and adjust. You've learned what really good football players look like and how they can help your team. You've learned, you know, different schemes and making sure that their scheme fits. You've had some really good cultures, you know, some really good locker rooms. So you know what kind of guys you need to add to that room to be a championship level team. So, you know, I was up for the challenge, and I think they knew that. Because I've been through it in my past and I've been able to learn a lot so that I can apply this, you know, to this job and get this organization back where it belongs. Well, let's go through the resume. I think everyone loves like, okay, so how do I become an NFL general manager? It doesn't happen overnight. Um, no. Let's go back to Boston College. Yeah. Where who was your quarterback when you played offensive line for the for the for Boston College? Yeah, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. Yep. <laughs> you were Matt Ryan's offensive lineman in college. You play. Did did you have dreams of being a player, or was it always, hey, I'm gonna either go into coaching or being in the front office back then? Yeah, no, it was it was definitely being a player. That was the first and foremost. Um, had a pretty good career. You know, unfortunately, I think it was like late October, my senior year, fifth year senior year, we go to Notre Dame and I ruptured my Achilles. So at that moment, when I found out, it's like, yeah, you know, this is going to be a tough journey. So, you know, I think it's it's just how I've been raised. I, I rehabbed. I worked my butt off to get back, which brought me to Hallis Hall, you know, to have an opportunity to be an undrafted free agent and try to make the team. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that didn't work out. Wasn't talented enough. Really wasn't in the, the right shape. You're just coming off that injury. Uh, but what I was this Cuddy years? This is Jay Cutler years? Like who was like what was yeah. the team then? I don't, yeah. yeah, it was Jay and uh, they were like rotating with Rex too. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, Devin Hester, just seeing him run around was cool. Olin Cruz, <laughs> just how he held down the, the old line room and uh, Lance Briggs and, and Erlocker. So there's some special special guys on this team. So you, you don't make the team, and then what? Yeah, so I was trying to get my mind right. I had a buddy from BC who was like, I know where you're at mentally. You want to go to Alaska with me. So we jump on a plane, we go to Alaska. Uh, no, really? Oh, yeah. Anchorage. But listen to this. We go to Anchorage. Okay. Then we go to Kodiak Island. Then we take a boat to another island. And we help one of his dad's friends shut down this camp, fishing camp, uh, before the winter comes. So really cool time. Something like If you get a chance to do something like that, I've never heard just peace and quiet like that in my entire life. Uh, so we fished. Uh, it was good just to get some. How long? Uh, it was about 10 days. 10 days of just serenity, no football, no life, like no career. Just, on, I mean, first of all, I live in New York City. You, there's no chance of ever going to Anchorage, Alaska, <laughs> unless my career goes sideways and there's, there's some job at local news. But I would say this, like you get there and like you had that peace of mind moment. You had that moment of Zen. Yeah. Yeah. Great moment. Collected myself for, you know, that next phase. Um, and as soon as I get back, I'm living with my wife up in, uh, at the time, my girlfriend in Vermont. I get a call from Boston College. Hey, do you want to come and be a graduate assistant? And really, that was the first step that that set me up, because you go from playing ball and going to school. You've never had that in office feel before. So I, I don't, I'm stapling papers all messed up and like just so tighten that up. Just the administrative thing. Like, how do you work in the office with others? How do you, you know? working the computers and, and things that you just don't get a chance to when you're playing. So um, I was able to meet some really cool scouts that came through, Scott Pioli, um, John Dorsey. Uh, and that kicked off the idea I want to get into scouting. So sent my resume out, had a bunch of interviews. And that brings me to Kansas City, which was, what, 13, 14 years ago. And that kind of started my journey into scouting. Yeah. And we'll fast forward through those Kansas City years. So many great NFL executives. You mentioned Pioli, of course, but Dorsey, and then you get to work, uh, you know, alongside and and under Brett Veach, and that front office is often looked at as like the gold standard of teaching you from the ground up and giving you other opportunities. What were those opportunities within that Chiefs organization over the course of fourteen years? Different hats that you wore. Yeah, and if my career was this, you know, open puzzle that still needed pieces dropped in, those three guys really. Um, gave me some really big parts to, to build who I am. And, and Scott, with just the detail, how to run an office, how to lead. Um, with Dorsey, just an unbelievable like talent evaluator. How do you evaluate talent? How do you run meetings? Uh, we run meetings just like we did there, which goes all the way back to Ron Wolf, uh, which I put, probably should say too loud around here with the Green Bay connection. But yeah. um, it's, it's a really good way to scout and build the draft board as well as for agency. And then Veach, like, you know, Veach, it's just his brain's always going. It's, it's who doesn't three, stop. No, it's four steps down the road because you have to be on your toes and anticipate because whatever you think is going to happen, it's going to change and you got to be able to adapt and adjust and kind of have those next plans put to put in place. So um, really just to have those three kind of build me up and build that foundation uh, was a big, big part of me being here today. You know, we had Joe Shane on a couple of weeks ago and I said, when you were scouting Josh Allen, what'd you see? And he told a great story. They played Nebraska and Allen threw four interceptions and Joe gave him an A plus grade. Cause he's like, I just, that, I'd never seen someone with a cannon like that. Yeah. So you're in Kansas city. It's 2016. It's 2017. 
you get this thing that, hey, there's this kid from Texas Tech. Um, what was your initial impressions of Patrick Mahomes and what were the conversations had there in Kansas City? And how'd you guys keep that quiet? Because uh, I don't think anyone in the league knew that you guys were hot on him. Yeah, no, you know, and I give I give Veach a lot of credit because he was excited about that guy for a long time. Um, but I'll never forget sitting in the room and with Coach Reed and, and breaking down that tape and all of the guys that year. And although the stat sheet said one thing with interceptions like Josh Allen, what you saw was a guy out there just slinging it and, and making it work with what he had. Um, and there was a lot of really, there was accuracy. There was arm strength. There was ability to ad lib and just make it happen when it really wasn't there. Um, so to see that from that moment and see a play out to, to who he is today, uh, it, it's incredible. But that journey was was awesome to uh, to go through with those guys. When Mahomes first got there, obviously Alex Smith was the quarterback, and we talk about it a lot on our show, Good Morning Football. So we had Paul Rudd on earlier this season. He was like, Alex Smith deserves so much credit for just being secure enough in who Alex Smith is and to be willing to show Patrick the ropes. But that first year when he only played in that final game against Denver, did you have an idea like, oh, this dude's going to take the league by storm next season? Yeah, you you had an idea. I mean, there was I have clips still on my phone today from really watching like a little kid like at practice being like, oh my, did he just do that? And you like you take a clip of it and like send it to one of the scouts on the road, like, bro, this dude's a real deal. Um, so yeah, you you had a sense of it, but you're exactly right. What Alex brought to him, you know, I always thought they were kind of opposites. Like what. Pat didn't have in his game, Alex was really good at. And he had to show him how to manage a game, when to take chances, when not to take chances, um, when it's okay to check it down, you know, and, and play the safe route so you can just continue to move the chains and protect the ball. So, um, and then obviously being a pro, that's one thing, you know, we have a really young team here and you learning to be a pro is hard. You got to take care of your body. You got to take care of your mind. You have to eliminate distractions. Um, you got to be a master of your craft, you know, at this level, if you want to be good. So um, Alex was definitely able to to show Pat that, which was really cool. It's cool. And then you get an interview with Carolina last off season. You prepared for that. You don't get that job. Walking out of that situation, did you feel like, okay, the next interview, the next opportunity, I'm going to crush this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a confidence builder. You walk into a situation that you don't, you're unaware of what it's going to look like. Um, there's a little, you know, question like, am I ready for this? Like, am I really ready for this? And you go through the steps, you go online and do your, your, um, your Skype or your zoom interview and like, damn right. I can do this. And then yeah, you go in person. Yeah. yeah. You go in person and share your philosophy and how you want to do things and what you believe in. And again, you walk out the room, like if I don't get this, the next opportunity, you know, I'm going to be ready and, uh, I'm, I'm going to do a really good job too. So, Definitely was a great experience getting my foot in the door for that first interview. Um, gave me a ton of confidence, gave me some directions. I think the big thing is like, where are my holes at? Like, what do I, what was I not comfortable answering? All right, now how do I go fill that, right? How do I develop myself in some spaces that I'm not good enough right now? And you do that and you fill up on it and you educate yourself and, and you meet people that are really good at it and you just try to build as a person and you know, that's something I tell my staff here. I want them to continually develop um, their weaknesses. So as a group, we get stronger and stronger. You know, it's funny because a lot of times there's a young coach 
And there's almost like a rolling of the eyes. Like I remember when McVay was 30, it was almost like I would get texts from 31 other coaches being like, who is this hot shot looking for him to fail? And I was like, it's not the same with you. Like, I feel like maybe it's the 15 years or the 10,000 hours you've put in, but you are universally respected and really well liked by these other general managers. And one of the things I think that was really respected was you came in with Chicago and you guys had to hire a new head coach. And tell me if I'm wrong here. You didn't have much history with Matt Eberflus. You didn't just hire a buddy. You didn't just go the safe route. Yep. You guys did a real search, yep. and you hired the head coach that you thought was best for the Chicago Bears franchise, not who's going to make it most comfortable for you. Correct. I think the other thing, too, is I've learned quickly. It's you have to do this. You know, you got to have a criteria if it's for the head coach, if it's for a player or even decision making. And you got to believe in that and you got to act on it. You know, a lot of times the noise from the outside is telling you to, to do one thing or the other or what's popular. You got to do what's right for the football team and what's right and what matches the philosophy that you think is going to win. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, sometimes decisions look great the day that you make them. But it's really how, how does it play out? That's a, how you're going to be judged at the end of the day. So um, I, I loved my interview with Matt, you know, the leadership. Uh, I talk about it all the time because I have to. The emotional intelligence to be demanding, but also love guys up to let them know that you're demanding for a reason. Uh, what does that mean? I think that's such an important thing, especially in 2022 and the way that we're, uh, mental health plays a bigger role, I think, in the conversation. And we know when we grew up, coaches were not as warm and fuzzy as these coaches. But Matt's not a warm and fuzzy guy, but you also see that the players love playing for him. Yeah. Maybe the compassion is what is what is what's there. And just you know, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I, and I think as we move along here, the athletes coming in from college – they think a little bit differently than what we thought. I just, when I was coach, you, you did what you were told to do. You didn't ask why, but now you have to give the why, you know, <laughs> why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we practicing so hard? Why are we practicing lighter? Um, why are we fanatical about, you know, punching the ball out and things like that? Well, we're going to give statistics about turnovers and how they lead to win wins. So he does a really nice job laying everything out but what we want to be what our standards are and then the why behind it how it's going to make us successful not only now but but down the road so his ability to tie that together is it's outstanding it's genuine i love our team meetings every team meeting is i wish i could take all of them because he's a special guy in front of the room and it's authentic it's real it's not fluffy you walk out with direction everyone has direction when they leave and they feel good about it it's funny because your team is not necessarily at the top of the standings, but I think there's a universal like good vibe around the Bears right now, and that includes a very critical fan base that has been through a lot of different tenures and a lot of different down years. But like even the loss to Detroit, and we could go through all that, that that we're coming out of. It's like, yeah, we lost, but gosh, that was there were some moments, and I think I, I would be doing the fans a great disservice if I didn't just ask. The leaps and bounds that Justin Fields has taken over the last few weeks, I'd say coming out of the bye week and that New England game was really the kickstart. Um, I know you're the general manager. You might not want to speak you know, necessarily too much in the weeds, but you got to admit this has been a sensation the last month of football. Yeah, I think you got to compartmentalize some things. Like, obviously, like if you talk to me, if this was yesterday, I wouldn't have been very, like, fun to talk to. Um, we yeah. expect to win games. That's our standard. Um so just kind of being okay with losing it is really not going to fly around here, but you do have to take the time to look at the little victories that you do have. Um, and Justin's one of them. Justin's playing really, really well. Uh, I give credit to him buying in 
I mean, that this dude works his butt off. He puts time into it. So to get results, um, you know, on individual performance and as an offense um, means a lot to, to me, to him, to our coaching staff. I think a lot of credit needs to go to Luketsi as well. I mean, he adjusted, he adapted to strengths and weaknesses and is able to put together some really good performance by our, you know, by our offense. And, and we're continuing to get better. And we're, we're learning about what we have and the guys that we have. And we have a young team. So it's exciting to see the direction that we're going. Your first big decision during the season, of course, was the Roquan trade. Yeah. It's very well documented. You've spoken on it. It was one of those deals where, from what I'm putting words in your mouth, you love the player, but there was an impasse with with what was going to happen. So let's get some picks in exchange. When you make that decision, is that one of those where you say, I got to block out the noise with the fans, like you were saying, and just do what's best for this team and then wish the player the best moving forward? Yeah, and that's that's the tough part about this this position is you constantly have to balance today versus down the road. Um, and a lot of times those decisions are gray. You know, they're, they're, it's not black and white, it's not easy. So um, we really took a lot of time with that. And we just felt like it was in the best interest to to do something now that could benefit our team moving forward. Um, it is really, really difficult, you know, to move a guy that's a leader in your locker room. Um, but again, that's why I have this job is I gotta make hard decisions that I hope will benefit our team for a long time. So. We did that and, and you know, that helped us acquire Chase, you know, Claypool, who's coming along. He's learning the offense right now. And um, again, that should enhance our offense, enhance, you know, our quarterback and, and get our team better as we, we move along. You're the youngest GM in the league. Um, a lot of people look at you and say, hey, that's the path forward. There, there, there is a place for me in the NFL on that level, on that executive level. That's a, that's a, that's a heavy burden for you to say, hey, I'm going to, you know, start – setting the path for a lot of people who are younger than me and saying, this is, this is possible. You can do this. You can be an NFL general manager. If you got in an elevator, say at, at the combine with a 25 year old man or woman who looks at you and says, Ryan, what would be your piece of advice? If, if I want to get into this profession and I want to someday be where you're at, what would be your learning lesson? And what would be your, you know, your elevator speech for them? Yeah, I think it would be, you got to set your foundation up. Um, to me, if I didn't have the experience I had as a, a graduate assistant at, at Boston College, I wouldn't be here today. If I didn't have to grind and do hard things as a scouting assistant, I mean, running, get coffee, airport runs, um, learning how to multitask because you had it's crazy. I think back to it, which is nuts because I, I had to hire my first scouting assistants and I had this like flashback of when I was hired yeah. in Kansas City. But you know, I want them to be able to multitask. You know, you have a lot of things you have to do, but you also have these responsibilities like airport runs and, and waiting at a, a doctor's office for a physical to end. And you learn quickly, well, if I'm sitting at the doctor's office, I should probably bring my computer and I can knock out- What else three, can I do? Yeah, three tasks while I'm there. And you learn to multitask and juggle different things. And then you fast forward to where I am today. It is, I mean, it is, you juggle, man. You juggle a lot, and um, but you gotta do it with detail. You got to do, you know, you got to be dependable to everyone else so they can trust you and I can trust everyone else. So um, set that foundation up and don't be afraid to do hard things. Uh, that really gives you those calluses so that you can withstand. You can take on more as you grow up and go through the ranks. So um, that's kind of the, the, the pitch I would give to set that foundation for sure. I got a couple more that I'm going to let you go. Uh, 
Sunday, I'm watching the game, and uh, there's an undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin, Jack Sanborn, a linebacker, just all over the field, wearing 57. I'm looking up on my media guide. I'm like, where did he go? Oh, Wisconsin. I remember that name. You see a guy like that, an undrafted guy. Is Do you get more of a reward out of seeing that happen on the field or when it's the first-round pick having success? Or is it all equal to you at this point? As a general manager, I feel like there's got to be some great pride in being like, yeah, we got that guy to sign here. We liked him out of college, and he's making making an impact as a rookie. That's pretty cool to see. Yeah. I, I think, you know, as an undrafted free agent, to see those guys kind of rise up and get opportunities and take advantage of them is one of the more exciting things that we get to do as, as a general manager because – as you go through the draft and you're evaluating, you're really honing in on just a couple traits. You know, I knew Sam Bourne's very instinctual player. Um, so you, you bring him in your building and you watch him develop and then he gets an opportunity. That's why, like, over the last few years, I've learned not to freak out from, you know, injuries or trades because sometimes behind the door, there's some really cool things that happen and guys develop. Um, and, and Jack's on his way, man. I mean, that last game, he was everywhere. Um, it's two sacks, double digit tackles, should have had an interception. Should have had the pick. We yeah. won't talk about it. The league is very sensitive. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I love seeing, you know, those things and those guys stand out. So I, I'm pumped for him and, and the direction he's going. All right. Historically, you mentioned Mahomes. When you were on the road doing the college things, like we talk about this, we were talking about it with Shane and I always talk about it with these GMs. Um, sometimes there's that player that like your eyes linked up with and then the draft comes around and you're sitting in John Dorsey's office or you're sitting in Brett Veach's office and it's fourth, fifth round talk. And it's like, this is my guy. I'm going to bang the table. Was there a bang the table guy for you in Kansas city that you go back on and you're like, Hey, that was my dude. And you know, whether he panned out or not, there was a guy that you really were like, I'm going to be his biggest advocate in the room. Um, I would say, it's hard to like put your finger on like one player over the years, but I think one of the things that I take a lot of pride in being a part of um, was going from losing the Super Bowl against Tampa um, and Pat getting pressured all the time, and then sitting down as a group with Veach and Borgonzi and Tillis and Bradway and being like, we can never let that happen again, mm. and. And then going to work and coming away with Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown, you know, and flipping that thing quick in all those overnight, guys, like literally yeah. one off season, you guys went from the, you know, this is the, the Achilles Hill of the team to being one of the strengths of the team. Right. And I think we really leaned on like, what do we stand for? Like, what do you want that group to look and feel like? And those dudes are smart, tough and dependable. Um, so really just taking your values, using free agency trade, and draft in the beginning and the end and kind of putting that thing together was a huge accomplishment that I thought was like kind of the bow on the, on the top for me leaving. Not only did I, my last game was that Buffalo game, but like yeah. <laughs> that, that was really cool walking away from at least being a part of, of that. You're beloved in Kansas City. I mean, I talked to all those guys it's still like, you know, and now Chicago is starting to get to know, why you are the badass that you are and you make decisions and you go for it and you go with your gut, but you do it backed on research. As we wrap this, if you have one message to Bears fans as we head towards the final months of the season and then, of course, your first official big off season where it's, hey, I'm running point on everything and it's my guys in those decisions, of pow those power decisions, all that. 
What would be your message to the fan base who is just thirsting for Bears football to be on top once again? Yeah. Well, first, I got to just correct you a little bit. I'll say this. You know, the biggest part of me is it's not just about me. It's it's my yeah. crew. I got an unbelievable group of scouts. Who's the crew? Let's shout them out. Who we yeah, got? He, I don't even know your. I don't even know who you brought with. So Ian Cunningham, who oh was just, it the Giants, right? Uh, uh, no, Eagles he was with Philly and Baltimore. Yeah. Um, Jeff King, uh, who's been here, he was a player. Love Jeff. Trey Cozio. Carolina Panther Jeff King. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Trey yep. Cozio. Um, those are kind of my, my top cabinet there. Uh, Matt Feinstein, who worked in the league, he helps me with Cap and, and Cliff Stein. So that's kind of my main cabinet and, and a bunch of really good scouts under them as well. So it's not just about me. But in terms of this program getting to where it needs to go, listen, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. I'm We're all about winning here, so it's it stinks not having more wins and we've been close. But there's progress being made. We're bringing in the right people. Our quarterback's developing um, so I'm excited and just know that this group, like I said, our coaching staff, our front office, we're relentless in acquiring talent and developing players. So it's going to come together. I'm excited about it. You know, the, the, the future's bright and uh, we're going to get this, this place, uh, cranked up. So love it. You know what I liked? I like seeing Erlacher involved. I like seeing Lance Briggs get it, like a little bit involved. I know Peanut's going to be playing. Like, yeah. I, that's my era. And I know it's. I know there was the 85 Bears. And I almost always say this on Good Morning Football. I'm like, Bears fans deserve, like, you know, this, because 85 is a long time ago now, yeah. right? And I have a certain sentiment for that 06 Super Bowl team. And I love Erlacher and Tillman. They both worked with me at Fox and love those guys. And I actually got to know Cuddy pretty well. And he's a cool dude also. Yeah. But like – there's like a youthful exuberance to this Bears team. And I think it starts with you and Matt, obviously. But from the quarterback on down, dude, I think the Bears are in good hands. And I, I can't thank you enough for joining us during the season and, and doing our podcast to kind of give the the blueprint on how the Monsters of the Midway return to dominance in the NFC North. It feels like it was just yesterday we were at Mikado eating sushi, huh? Do we want to talk about it? Because this is where it all begins. We should do, you hey, get we should to the do another con- episode. Okay. Sushi, sushi with Schrager. Sushi with Schrager. So at the combine, I mentioned this. I got breakfast with Joe Shane a few years ago at Patachu, which is like the breakfast spot. But yeah. we had a table, and I don't know if we want to go to the names, but Veach was there, a bunch of the Chiefs guys, and you and I hit it off. And it was at a sushi restaurant in Indianapolis, Mikado, a landlocked city that I don't think has probably the best access to good sushi, yet I was stuffing my face with that yellowtail, bro. You were probably a little disgusted with how I went. I went to town. Um, but you and I hit it off, and I'm so proud of you that you're doing all this stuff now, and uh, Chicago isn't in any better hands than, than having you at the grips. No problem. Enjoyed it. Awesome. Ryan Pulse, the season with Peter Schrager. Thank you for joining us, bro. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. How good is Ryan Poles, Aaron? I mean, that was that dude is the real deal. When you listen to him talk, do you not feel like the Chicago Bears are in great hands? Uh, makes me more excited for them, yeah. It's been great watching them. And then just hearing him talk about the vibe with the whole team and the coaching staff, I love it. 
He's learned from some of the greats, um, and he's been made smarter by some of the greats. And that's a great segue to our next segment. We do a segment on this podcast called Make Me Smarter. I have amazing access to some of the smartest minds in football, and a lot of them work for the NFL Network research team. One of them is the great Taylor Kyles. I get Taylor's emails a lot, and I use a lot of that content on air, and it helps make me sound smarter on television, but it also helps describe the game in a different way than just listing stats. There's just historical perspective, there's insight, and there's a lot of opinion as well. With no further ado, this week's guest on Make Me Smarter, Mr. Taylor Kyles. Taylor, what's up, man? I'm excited to be here, Peter. Thank you so much for having me, man. You are great at what you do, and we got to give you some love on the season with Peter Schrager. And I, I, I asked this to, to you and to, to Aaron when I started this week's prep. I'm like, all right, now there's there's you know, it seems almost like unanimous that Justin Jefferson is that dude. He's the number one receiver, and then we go through all these historical things, and it's like, all right, no one's done more in his first three years than this guy. No one has had a, you know a greater first two years. Make me smarter. Just how historically amazing is Justin Jefferson? Two and a half seasons into his NFL career. All right, so if we're going by the numbers, all right, there's a lot of really big names that he's on lists with. So you want to look at most receiving yards per game all time. You got Justin Jefferson above Julio, Calvin, Jamar Chase, another young stud, obviously, LSU teammate, and Antonio Brown. Then you get most receiving yards in his first 42 games. Only person who's had more, the great Odell Beckham Jr. And then Justin Jefferson is right behind him. And then most games with 100-plus yards in a player's first three seasons since 1950. You got Justin Jefferson above Randy Moss, Mm. OBJ again. And then there's four guys tied uh, right behind them. So, I mean, he's he's doing pretty well, I'd say, in his first few seasons. Yeah, and then Sunday's performance is like national TV. If you hadn't watched him do all this work on these Vikings teams that weren't playoff squads the last two years, you're now seeing him do it on an eight in one squad, putting up these numbers. What do you see personally as a student of the game? What do you see that makes him so special? And what are his skill sets? Because he's not, he's not Calvin Johnson. He's not six foot six and he's not Randy Moss running a four two forty out there. Right. So really what it is, is it's impossible to get this guy at the line of scrimmage. The only time you're really going to be competitive with Justin Jefferson is if you get your hands on him. Because if you're in off coverage, when he gets to the top of the route, he can shake you. He's really good at getting in defenders blind spots, which basically means they can't see him. Uh, And he gets right behind him and he's able to break off routes. He's great at manipulating defenders. Uh, But one thing you saw a lot in the Bills game, and this is a tendency I've noticed, is in critical situations. So third down, you know, two minutes drills when you really need a play what they'll do a lot of the times is they'll put him outside the numbers Mm -hmm. now usually he's inside so you don't know if he's going to break inside or out which is what makes him so dangerous because he's such a great route runner but at the same time he's also physical and like you said he's he's that guy he's him so (laughs) when you really need as we saw making that crazy catch that in my humble opinion was even greater than the odell catch a few years back i agree i'll tell you why i agree fourth and 18 the mm -hmm. context matters odell's was Mm -hmm. on a worthless sunday night game for a bad giants team that got blown out by the cowboys And then, and then you got uh, uh, you got Justin Jefferson doing it on fourth and eighteen, and it got to have a situation. And what they did in a lot of those third downs, they put him outside, so they had true one-on-one matchups. Because the Bills, since the Chiefs game, they went from being a zone-heavy team where they just wanted everybody to throw underneath and they come up and rally and tackle to playing a lot more man. So the Vikings knew that, so they put Jefferson all the way outside, so he had that one-on-one matchup. Obviously, the Bills are struggling in their secondary with injuries, and they were just like, hey. 
win on go balls, win on, you know, uh, deep in cuts. And he was doing it. He was roasting those guys. And then sometimes they'd put him in the slot, have him run a corner route. And that's a scary thing about Jefferson is he can run all these routes downfield and he can win. It doesn't matter if you're right on his hip. Doesn't matter if you're trailing behind and you make up. He's extremely competitive and he can catch anything on top of being able to separate from anybody. It was it was an amazing performance. It really was. And, you know, it, you go through that draft class of all those wide receivers that were taken and the order that they were taken. And I thought for, you know, for the next decade, we'd debate like C.D. Lamb or Brandon Ayuk or and it's like, hey, all due respect to Jerry, Judy and the rest, like. It's Justin Jefferson, and it's a huge gap to even CeeDee Lamb as the next guy. Absolutely, and it's it's the big moments, you know. It's all right. You got all these great receivers, of course, and obviously team matters. Being in position to actually be able to capitalize and make those plays, but I mean, it's it's the Buffalo Bills. You got the game of the year. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but uh, it was a competitive game, and in all the clutch moments, it's Justin Jefferson making all these plays, and he's already putting together a resume. Obviously, beyond the numbers, if you just look at the guy, it's hard to say that anybody, especially in that talented draft class, is really doing more than he is taylor you made me smarter you made us all smarter where can we find you on twitter if we want to follow your stuff and get all your information yep so i am at t-k-y-l-e-s 39 on twitter 39 because of stephen jackson 39 why what's 39 danny woodhead yes! actually danny woodhead fan let's go come okay. on shadron okay. state did i say it right I, I don't even know. I, yeah. <laughs> I <can't tell> <laughs> what made you a Woodhead fan? Because that guy was a, a jet, a charger and was a Raven. It was just like the ultimate, like we need six yards on a screen pass. He's getting a seven. Well, I mean, he exploded once he left the Jets, so I mean, that kind of made it one of my favorites immediately, but I actually didn't even start really watching football until about 2010, and that was when Woodhead was having his breakout uh, year. I remember just any time I watched the Pats game, you got this guy who's the shortest one on the field making yep. these crazy plays, just juiced up, so a hard guy not to fall in love with, and uh, yeah, I, I've been a Danny Woodhead fan ever since. I was sad to see him go, but I cheered for him even when he was on the Ravens and the Chargers. We got we to gotta tag Danny Woodhead to this clip that's incredible taylor thank you bro so good as always and uh, we'll bring you on next week or the week after that and we'll get a little smarter from you awesome brother thank you so much taylor was awesome and justin jefferson is too and now to the final part of our podcast one of the most popular things that we're doing to end each one of these podcasts is i'm bringing on a friend of mine uh either someone i've worked with professionally or someone i grew up with who's got a take and it's a take on anything. And so far, we've talked about uh, everything from Game of Thrones uh, to, to whether or not it's uh, morally uh, right to give a baseball back to Aaron Judge, who happens to be a $500 million man and doesn't necessarily need the money. Anyway, takes are what we're here for. And I'm bringing out one of my best friends from childhood, my buddy Detro, who was made for this podcast because Detro texted me with a little preview of something and he had a take around it that it might be the best of something that we've ever seen. Detro, welcome to the season with Peter Schrager. How are we doing this morning? Peter, how are you, sir? It's great to see you. Great great to hear from you. It's amazing to hear from you. We've known each other more than 30 years. You're one of my dearest friends. We've grown up together. And when you come in with a take, you come in piping hot and you come in well-researched and you very often come with a ton of knowledge. So I'm going to cede the floor to you. Detro, what's your piping hot take for this week? 
Here's what I want your listeners to understand, that there are 52 weeks in a year. Everybody knows that. And most of the time, when a great week happens, you tend to look back on that week and say, God, I I wish I would have known that that was going to be a great week. I would have embraced everything a little bit more and really sort of sunk my teeth into it a little bit more because that turned out to be a great week. What I want everyone to know is that starting this Saturday, November 19th, running through the following Sunday, November 27th, that is your absolute prime pinnacle week of 2022. And I want everybody to be prepared for it now because you need to embrace it now. Don't look back on it and say, I wish I would What do you mean? What, what do you mean just a great week? Explain. Let, let me walk you through this week. So first of all, you go into this weekend, Saturday, you get a full slate of college football games. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you that it's the best slate of college football games. Again, you you don't want to watch Alabama Austin pay? Don't watch it. But (laughs) but you get a full Saturday of college football, and there aren't many of those left. So enjoy it. Embrace it. Have a fantastic Saturday. But then we go into this Sunday, and you get your full NFL games right there. And if you're starting off, there's a couple of intriguing games on Sunday you're going to want to you're going to want to tune into. You got Bills hosting Browns. There was a 20-year span between our lives, Peter, where Bills hosting Browns. I wouldn't watch a single snap of that game. (laughs) But now, coming off that ridiculous Bills loss this past Sunday, you're gearing up for Bills-Browns because you want to know, are the Bills for real? Are they going to bounce back? Because are are they this juggernaut 16-1 and team that they looked like? Or are they going to try to sort of, you know, back in and squeak into the playoffs, whatever it might be? You've got Jets going up to New England for a certain section of the country. That's a fantastic game to watch this Sunday. A lot of playoff implications on that one. Me, myself, I'm a Giant fan. I know. You don't want to watch Giants-Lions. Don't watch it. I get it. But then you get your 430 matchups. And I'm going to take you out to Minnesota. Hosting <laughs> this is the ultimate promo. <laughs> Look, this, this is part of the week. You better get ready to embrace it. Because you've got Vikings-Cowboys this Sunday. Somehow this game ends up on CBS. It used to be somewhere all in Madden or Buckingham. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll take Nansen Romo. It is what it is. But that game has enormous playoff implications, stretching all the way to who's going to be the number one seed coming out of the NFC. So that's a fantastic game right there. That gets you through Saturday and Sunday. And now your Thanksgiving week is starting. You get Monday. For those of you that work in an office, Everyone's starting to mentally check out right around Monday <laughs> afternoon. That's just how it goes. Your out-of-office messages are starting to come back to you. Nobody's planning big conference calls and big meetings in the conference room Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday next week. So you're, you're rolling. You're home free. But from a, from a sports standpoint, Monday afternoon, right, as you're starting to mentally check out, you get the Men's World Cup. Men's World Cup, you get USA playing Wales. Now, I know Wales not may, sound, may not sound like the most matchup. And you only get the World Cup every, what, four years, so it's not the most popular sport here in the country. But Men's World Cup, you're in. And if you don't think Wales is a big deal, well, the former Prince of Wales is now the King of England. So Wales is a pretty big deal. <laughs> then you're rolling through Tuesday and Wednesday next week, which, if you again, if you're working for a company in an office setting, 
you you have zero meetings, zero conference calls. Everybody is on cruise control, heading out heading out the office. Companies are closing early on Wednesday. If you're a teacher, you're not starting any new plan lessons on Tuesday <laughs> or Wednesday next week. You you're, you're making macaroni necklaces in the classroom. <laughs> you're putting the week on a knee and you're little hand turkeys, little hand turkeys. That 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 that's just how it goes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week from a professional standpoint. But then you get to Thursday. Then you actually get to Thanksgiving. I'm not going to sit here and do some sort of BuzzFeed list of top 10 side <laughs> dishes, anything like that. You don't need to hear that from me. I, I think we all generally agree the meal and the eating on Thursday are phenomenal. It's a top two day of the year to eat. We don't have to go down that road. But from a sports landscape, what do we have on Thanksgiving? First, you get your bills at Lions. That's an intriguing game, obviously, it from is. the Bills' standpoint. It you is. love to watch that one. But you know the Lions always show up and fight on Thanksgiving. What do we say? They're frisky. They're, they're frisky, and, and they're extra frisky on Thanksgiving. It's one of those games where it's 35-31 in the fourth quarter, and I'm texting you, would you look at these Lions? Where, where <laughs> has this Lions team been all season long? They, they should be 7-3 and three right now. That's kind of how that plays out. Then, right as you're getting ready to sit down to eat on Thanksgiving – where are we going? We're going down to Dallas. You got Cowboys. You got Giants. That's an old-fashioned NFC East, NFC East slugfest. That's a fantastic game. That's a lot of fun. There's a few segments of, of the NFL fan base out there. Either you're a diehard Cowboys fan, you're pumped for that game. You're a diehard Giant fan, you're pumped for that game. Or you're every other NFL fan out there that basically, let's just say it, you hate the Cowboys, so you're <laughs> pumped to watch that game. You know, that's the type of game that does a monster rating right there like it's a playoff game. Love that. You get into Thursday night. Now, the week is, you know, you, you're still rolling strong in this week. You get into Thursday night. You've crushed 20,000 calories. Yeah, you've that's the seven, fatigue. It starts yeah, kicking in. You, you've watched seven hours of football. You get ready to sit down. What do you got? You got Tarico. You got NBC. You got the Vikings hosting the Patriots, which is another intriguing Great game. game. That's Great a game. lot of fun. You're gonna If you're able to stay awake to watch that whole game because you've been up all day eating and drinking and you're exhausted, that's a fun one. Big playoff implications. Then you go to sleep that night. You wake up Friday. All right, you may think Friday's a little slow. I'm going to take it easy today, ease into the day after Thanksgiving. I haven't checked my work email in three days. It's fine. And what do you have on Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock? You get Team USA playing England in the Men's World Cup. Get set. Get ready. It's been 246 years since we've declared independence. And here we go. That's a fan. You, you can't plan a better day after Thanksgiving than to settle in for USA England in the Men's World Cup. I couldn't name a single player on either team. <laughs> and I'm incredibly excited for that game. Can't wait for that one. Give me a little you, uh, 90 seconds. Your take. You're, I know, guys, for listeners, Detro's the guy that will text me and be like, Have you seen blank on the History Channel? And I, it, it, you know, it, so give me a little US England. Give me a little Revolutionary War take, 90 seconds. All right. Well, I mean, look, this game's not exactly being played in Yorktown. I get it. <laughs> you know, my, my, my take on it is that no matter how much time passes from the 18th century when that all happened, there's always going to be a USA-England <laughs> sort of first cousiny kind of battle and half hatred, half love and can't wait to play you and can't wait to beat you kind of thing. That, that That's just how it goes. So when they match up on an international stage, I'm in. 
that game ends. What do we that got Saturday? Ends, that, that game ends. You've had your leftover turkey sandwich. It's Friday. You're exhausted. Your spouse has been crushing Amazon Prime. You, 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 everything is, is going crazy right now. You, you take it easy for the rest of that night. I'm sure there's a couple of other little, you know, there's, there's some college football games that maybe you can tune into. Usually like a basketball tournament in Maui. There, there's always something like that. Always. But then the next day, now you got Saturday morning and you wake up. And what do you have? First of all, you have at noon on Fox, Ohio State, Michigan. Oh, I don't know if I can handle all this sports. There's just so much sports. That's why I'm giving you a few days right now. <laughs> to prepare? To mentally prepare. To wet the palate? Be- because come Saturday at noon for Ohio State, Michigan, you may think you've had enough sports, but you're getting two undefeated teams. This, this game is everything. <laughs> this game is college football playoff. I mean, you-, you don't get a better matchup than that if you're looking to watch college football next Saturday. It, it just doesn't happen. That's what you get. You get the rest of the slate of college football is also great. I'm not going to walk you through this game, that game. (laughs) But later on that night, you do get Notre Dame at USC, which is always a fun one. That's always an intriguing one, 730. That's always a fun game. Regardless of if you're a fan or not, it's a fun college football game to be watching. And then we get you to Sunday. Another football Sunday. You get another full (laughs) slate of football Sunday. I'm like sick. I feel like a glutton right now. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. The appetizers come out. Would you excuse me if I didn't watch football on Sunday next week? I'm just like, you know what? I'm footballed out. I did the soccer thing on Friday. I I mean, I don't even know how these husbands are going to be explaining to their wives that like, oh, no, no, no. I actually need another nine hours today. I, I need another nine hours today. Get back on Amazon Prime. Get in there. Do, do your holiday shopping. That's what has to do. If this is the time where they got to go out and buy all the Christmas presents and do that, that's fine. But let's face facts. It's a football Sunday. And that's just how it works. You, If, if you got to run some errands early in the morning, you run your errands. But come 1 o'clock, the games are kicking off. You're not just going to say, oh, okay, well, you know what? I'll give up football today. I'm not going to watch it. You're going to settle in from 1 o'clock through the night game and do an entire football Sunday. And by the time Sunday night comes rolling along and you have Steelers Colts that kick off, oh no, excuse me, Sunday night at night is Packers Eagles, which is an incredibly intriguing game to finish off the week. Yeah, you're going to be on your couch. You may take your phone out, look to see if a single work email has come in over the past six days, which it probably hasn't. And here we are. It's Sunday night. You're settling in Packers Eagles. You're exhausted. You've gained 10 pounds. (laughs) <laughs> but it, you realize, oh, my God, what an unbelievable week that just passed. I wish I would have embraced it a little bit more. That's why I'm telling you now, get ready to embrace it now, because a week like this with the NFL and college <laughs> football and the Men's World Cup sprinkled in when you get two USA games. Live from Qatar. That's it. Get ready and embrace it now because weeks like this don't come along very often. You're going to look up in three months. It's going to be that third week of February. It's going to be a long, cold, dark, bleak week in February. (laughs) There's no NFL. There's no college football. Baseball with the pitchers and catchers are barely showing up to training camp. You're going to be miserable, and you're going to say, geez, I wish I would have embraced that week in November a little bit more. What an unbelievable week. I wish I would have known that it was happening. Now you know. Todd, thank you. I, I, I'm going to finish up with this because already this podcast is three hours long and you're the best part of it. Um, really quickly, the listeners at home, you ha- hear how this man is a master of words. He can talk. He's an incredible salesman. 
Um, just real quick, let's go. You're, you're a married man now, but let's go back a few years, maybe a decade. The Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, what's that mean to a single man? Totally different ballgame. <laughs> where, 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 where you're at, where I'm at right now in life, and where maybe 10, 15 years ago, the night before Thanksgiving, it, it's night and day. But for your single guys out there, let's say between the ages of, I don't know, 23 to 35, Thanksgiving Eve, th- this is it. Get ready. Get your plan set. Get to the ATM machine early. Make sure you have your credit cards refreshed and ready to go. What does that mean? Your credit cards are refreshed. You, you, you got to get ready to go. You better not show up at the bar and you get declined. You try to buy, a, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to buy an old-fashioned round of, I don't even know what the popular drinking is. Uh, apple apple martinis? Exactly. Kamikazes? Say, hey, give me, give, me, give me 12 Jaeger bombs. And they give you a, a, a bill for $120. And your credit card can't afford that. You're going you're gonna to be laughed out of the room. So get ready to go. Get your hair cut on Wednesday morning. Get your fresh outfit ready to rock. Have your plan set. Know what you're doing because this is the night. This is what I just talked about peak week coming in right there. Well, for a certain age group, this is peak night. This is it. People say it's for amateurs. It's not for amateurs. New Year's Eve is for amateurs. Thanksgiving Eve is for professionals. This is where you show up. Oh my God, that was amazing. Detroit, I love you, buddy. Love you. Thanks for having me on. I will. And and gosh, that's how we're going to end the podcast. That was fantastic. Um, We went from uh, being denied passports at the airport to Ryan Poles giving us a very studied take on why the the Chicago Bears are in good hands to a lesson on Justin Jefferson and then a lesson on why we should appreciate the following days if you're a sports fan. And then why you really got to get after it the Wednesday before Thanksgiving if you're a single man. All this is what we do on the season with Peter Schrager. Guys, till next week, Aaron Wong Kaufman, the best. Jason English, the best. I Heart, NFL, Jack Rudd on the, on the one-twos. We're on fire. Let's go. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.